Welcome to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. I'm your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, accompanied by my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversee, the only show in America where you will experience the fusion of church and state. On the Voice of Truth Radio Show, we will be engaging in vigorous, robust discussion on culture, history, current events, all from a biblical perspective. Thursdays at 5, Saturdays at 3 o'clock is when you can catch us. You can uh, listen to our podcast at uh, Voice of Truth with Mike Azinger. Email us, radiovoiceoftruth at gmail.com. Mike, my nephew uh, ran into him at a family gathering uh, last week. He said, hey, Uncle Mike, I've been listening to your podcast. <laughs> you made uh, it. Uh-oh. You're in the family. That's right. <laughs> so i got to watch what I say here, but he's a good boy, and uh, I'm proud of him. Um so, anyway, we weren't on the air last week. We're on the air this week. It feels good. It does. I, I felt I, like I we like missed today. I don't like missing a week. You no. Know? I'm, no. Like, I'm all giddy. You know, if we miss a week, I, I uh, where was I? I couldn't do it last week. I forget why. It's my fault. But, uh, so, I miss it. Man, I'm like all antsy. Yeah. You know? I can see the energy all built up. Can you? you? All so, right. I got energy. Just take it easy, though. Don't well, blow everybody's eardrums out. some coffee and uh, things. Um. So we're going to talk about a uh, little critical race theory here in a, a segment or two away. And uh, then uh, we're, going to, we're going to talk about some of uh, early education in America, the McGuffey Reader. This, this reader, uh, which was Christian-based, written by a uh, Presbyterian preacher uh, back in the 1800s, sold a million copies a year for 120 years. Did you have a McGuffey reader ever? No. Well, you know what? It's interesting you say that because they were used up until— uh, I had one. Do you really? Yeah. When I was, when I was uh, in, in grade school, I used a McGuffey reader. No. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, the reprints, you know, the re— Is that right? Yeah. Well, they, mm-hmm. they were uh, apparently in print until 1960. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to talk about those. That's interesting that, yeah. that you used those. And but you went to a Christian school. I did. Okay. Yeah, so it was like a Christian homeschool co-op kind of a thing. When yeah. I was in grade so that's school. what's wrong with so, you. I yeah, exactly. That. <laughs> the twitch. That's where that comes from. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to talk a little also about Olympics. I've not watched a second of Olympics, and will not uh, watch a second of it just because I'm not interested. Uh, mostly because of the woke stuff. But uh, we got a couple of uh, a couple of gals who are on fire for God in the yeah. Olympics who win. Sometimes, why is it these these folks that uh, are in athletics, the the uh, the ones that love God win. Yeah, you hear, you know, you hear these Christian testimonies. Uh, it happens all the time, yeah. right? So I think the thing to do to be a successful athlete is to praise God, right? <laughs> I'm gonna go out for the Pittsburgh Steelers. There you go. I'm thinking I can handle first round draft this year. First round, yeah, draft. absolutely. Uh, wide receiver. Um, I yeah. run a. a, a 10 flat 40, which would... <laughs> All right, so here's a couple jokes for you to get us uh, back into the mood. When I say the uh, the economy is so bad, you say, how bad is it? Remember the, uh, you know oh, this? Oh, yeah, okay. I know how these go. All right, so the economy is so bad... How bad is it? I received I received a pre-declined credit card in the mail. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the economy is so bad... How bad is it? CEOs are now playing miniature golf. <laughs> That's nice. The economy is so bad. How bad is it? Exxon Mobil laid off 25 congressmen. <laughs> That's the best one. <laughs> the economy is so bad. Angelina, Angelina Jolie adopted a child from America. It's oh. <laughs> kind of bad, isn't it? Okay. The economy is so bad. How bad is it? Motel 6 won't have the light on anymore. <laughs> That's bad. Okay. They'll have a candle lit. No, <laughs> a candle. Um... The economy is so bad. How bad is it? A picture is now only worth 200 words. <laughs> the economy is so bad. It's a Twitter post, basically, is what it's <laughs> <All right>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the economy is so bad. How bad is it? They renamed Wall Street Wall 
Mart Street. Ah, <laughs> see what you good. did there. Yeah, I didn't do it, but yeah. <laughs> All right, and lastly, the economy is so bad. How bad is it? I'm not going to read that one. <laughs> There's two that uh, they're not bad. It's just kind of uh, – yeah, I, I got to stare from you on that last one. So I'm thinking, ah! okay. All right, so let's go right into uh, into these gals who uh, love God and love America mm. in the Olympics, contrasted to the the girls' soccer team who mm. bow for everything. Wow. And um, uh, so many Americans were just excited that they lost because they I, I hate heard, America. I heard a lot about well, that. Well, and I was one of them. If you don't love America, what what are you doing out there on the field representing, representing. America? Well, this is the thing is uh, what we see happening more and more today is people aren't representing something bigger than themselves. They want to represent themselves directly. Mm. And a lot of this probably doesn't even stem from a lot of deep-seated conviction. It, it stems from the self-promotion that can take place as a result of it. That's my view. Promoting In case yourself. you wanted to know. You know, that was free. <laughs> I was hoping you were gonna go that deep this early <laughs> in the show, but but that is a good point. They're not they're not representing something bigger than themselves. It's about them, right? Yeah. That's yeah. what happens when you kneel, uh, and uh all right, so this little gal <laughs> this little old gal is cute as pie. I mean, she's just like sobbing with the flag and I can't I can't link to the story because her but her quotes in the story are so good, but she says uh, has a picture of her here. I'll show it to you there. She's I, with the flag. I know. She was just all worked up. And it was <laughs> she pretty said, I, I love representing the U.S. I love living there. I love it, and I'm so happy I get to represent USA. Love it. Ta- uh, Tamira Mariana Stock Mensa. Her dad is from uh, Ghana, somewhere mm. like that. Okay. Uh, but, boy, she loves America. Yeah. How about that? That's that was refreshing. Isn't yeah, it? it is. And she loves God too. And I, I, I tried to pull the story up. I can't, I can't get it to come up. But, but uh, she loves God and she loves America, and she's not ashamed of it. That's great. And so there's another gal. This gal's South African, so she's not as patriotic in terms of American, but she loves God. So this gal is, um, you may have seen this story, Tachana Shenmaker of South Africa. I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering her name. Days before South African. Olympic swimmer, swimmer Tajana Shinmaker set a new Olympic record in women's swimming. She first took to social media to openly express her Christian faith hmm. and pray to God to give her peace and an attitude of gratitude no matter the outcome. So let me just read a little bit here. Uh, even with a mixture of shock and unexplainable emotions that the 24-year-old said she felt before competing, she still find found time to pray in a post on her Instagram page with over 24,000 followers. She said, Father God, may your will be done. May your peace fill us up. May we praise you no matter what the outcome. All glory to God, and uh, may we be empowered Mm. by your strength to give you all, and may we forever be in awe of your goodness. Thank Mm. you for bringing us to this very moment. You know, I think that's probably a hell. I mean, I'm not as elite of an athlete as these these guys close but i i would feel in i've been in stressful situations in my life for sure but i would well, feel four kids so yeah so there you same go same thing, same thing. You... yeah my wife's sitting at home going yeah what do you do buddy <laughs> right. um but but i would imagine there would be a great sense of, of of clearing out your mind being able to focus on the task at hand when you have something bigger than yourself to lay your burden on mm. and as a believer to be able to pray that prayer lord Fill me with your peace. Your will be done. Give me joy regardless of the outcome. And then and then you juxtapose that. And I'm not, I don't know the context of this. I'm just, I, I know it's another for instance, but you've got like Simone Biles who was struggling with mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. some difficulty of the pressure. And, and you Something's know. Something's going on behind the scenes yeah, there is my Yeah, answer. yeah. That's what I think. But. but But the thing is, is that, you know, it's refreshing to see that, there's an athlete that has somewhere to place that burden. And I, I, I believe that's the case with all of us. When we can go to God, regardless if we're having stress in our job, and, regardless if right. we're having stress anyone, in our life. You yes, know. anyone that's a Christian understands yeah. what can happen to you psychological, Absolutely. psychologically and emotionally when you just do a, a quick prayer about Absolutely. anything. You know? um, so this, is, uh, this gal, uh, um, a few years ago, the swimmer uh, that we're talking about, where's her name, is Shenmaker, uh, 
uh, accepted Jesus as her personal Savior on September 12, 2016. So she's 24, so she got saved at 19. She, she's a relatively young Christian here, mm-hmm. showing really, really exciting, uh, great boldness. She said, today, a year ago, um, I made the best—this is, this is something she wrote several years ago in 2017, but a year after her salvation, she said um, on Instagram, I guess— Today, a year ago, I made the best decision of my life by accepting Jesus as my personal Savior. Hmm. Um, so she wears two caps while she swims. One's a green one representing South Africa, and a second one with a blue fish, a blue Jesus fish, says Soli Deo Gloria, Latin hmm. for glory to God alone on the side. Wow. The side. So that's cool. And that is cool. That's great. I love it to see these bold Christians popping up, especially— in a time of uh, of great darkness, when when their light is even uh, brighter yeah. because of the darkness, yeah. right? So those are those are two stories that are that are uh, really exciting, and uh, I thought I'd bring them. I'm sure a lot of folks have seen those, but I wanted to bring those up. And then, uh, so here's what we're gonna do: just give you a we're gonna bump out of this segment here in a second, but. Um, Next segment, we're going to talk it's some fascinating homeschooling numbers hmm. from uh, from the pandemic. Oh, yeah, I'm I'm interested to hear. About I this. haven't told you because yeah. I, I want your your organic natural response to this because for a lot of reasons, from a, a pastor's perspective, mm-hmm. a homeschooler's perspective, mm-hmm. to see. Um, you know, we always we think pandemic awful, awful. God's always doing something, he is. isn't he? Right? He is. It's like you said one time. Uh, uh, well, I don't know why I had never thought God uses everybody. Right. Well, God uses everybody, and God is always doing something. Yes, he He's always moving he and is. working, right? Yep. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that in the next segment, along with uh, the uh, we're going to talk about McGuffey readers and some other early American educational tools that uh, that contrast to critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Um, then we'll go into the third segment talking about uh, critical race theory some. And a, new, a, a, another, uh, a scientist, I believe he is, from Great Britain who's um, saying, look, I've been a Darwinist for years and years. He had a dream, a preacher. Hmm. He had a dream that scared him, and he's no longer a Darwinist. Wow. Now, I don't believe he's come to Christ yeah, but I'm sure hoping he is. Great story. Huh. And um, we'll get to these and more after the break. You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show with Mike Azinger, Pastor Brian Leversey. Uh, right next to me here, we'll be back with some great stuff. Don't go away. Back to the Voice of Truth radio show. We appreciate you tuning in very much. Thanks, folks, for tuning in to our show. We're we're blessed to be on the air. We love being on the air, don't we, Pastor? We do. I mean, you know, we uh, we're married and we're on the air, and we don't have everything we say rebutted or <laughs> <laughs> until we get home and they listen You're... to the show. <laughs> Uh, I, I joke about my, I, I do have a great wife. I mean, I, 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 since I made a joke about my wife, who is not like that at all, well, not totally like that, <laughs> I will say that uh, we've been married for 21 years. I got married old in life. Huh. But um, my, our marriage would not be nearly, nearly as good as it is. And we have good marriage. We do. Uh, if it weren't for my wife's uh, d- natural disposition, position just mm. to forgive like two seconds after we get into some kind of a spat which yeah. is rare we don't get we never yell never yeah. ever is there yelling at our house ever but but we we do bigger she's italian you have to learn to bicker to <laughs> compete but she has the greatest disposition in terms of just natural forgiveness she, huh. she forgets 
instantly. Uh, almost. Yeah. Maybe, maybe and around, my family's opposite. Maybe <laughs> around uh, Valentine's Day or somewhere around there, we should invite our wives on the show. That would be a great idea. Yeah. Give give our audience some real insight. I, we can listen to you bicker live. <laughs> <laughs> we may have to edit that one heavily. They start telling stories. That's right. <laughs> bicker live. Bicker live could be like a segment. We could have could a be. bicker live segment. All right, this segment, uh, we're going to talk about homeschooling, and we're going to talk about the McGuffey Readers, the uh, uh, early American education was biblically centered. And uh, we're going to just go through an email from a guy named Bill, uh, William Federer, who we've talked about on the show a number of times, and I used to have him on my show in Indiana. A great Christian historian, and uh, you ought to get his email, folks. He sends an email every day. You don't have to read every one. They're very long, but you can read as much as you want and just read the ones that interest you. But um, he is a national treasure in many ways. So before we get into that, though, I just want to mention an article that I came across, a friend of mine sent to me called uh, Homeschooling Surges Across the U.S. And we were talking about a minute ago, uh, Pastor, you homeschool, you and your yep. wife uh, homeschool. How many kids left in the nest still? So we have three. Three still at home? One one not being schooled yet. And we have a high schooler and then an um, elementary student. There you go. So uh, here, here's just Maine. I saw, this, I saw this meme on Facebook. Maine homeschool enrollment jumped 74% last year. From 6,700 to 11,000. In the state of Maine? In the state. That's just the state of Maine. Wow. So nationwide, according to this article, this is a Breitbart article, nationwide, pre-pandemic to now, it went from 3.3% of the population to 11.1% of the population. That's that's staggering. That's That's three times. Yeah. 11% is a big chunk. Yeah. It's, it's, It's only going to trends strongly in that in that direction more and more i believe especially if this vaccine and max man mask mandates become more mm-hmm. and more draconian okay here's the interesting thing pastor that's the uh, in general that's the general population the black population went from 3.3% to 16.1% wow five times wow so these these Parents are bringing their kids home, uh, had their kids home, starting to see some of the stuff that is being taught in schools, like critical race theory. Mm-hmm. And this isn't uh, this isn't a slam on all teachers. Don't get me wrong here. We got a lot of a lot of good teachers in the school system who do not like critical race theory and the Marxist theory and a lot of things taught in school. Uh, however, these parents are seeing what's being taught, and they're homeschooling their kids, and they're finding out, hey, this isn't so hard. This isn't a burden. This is a blessing. Yeah. You know, these moms are are uh, are loving what they're doing and loving getting to teach their children. Um, and philosophically, what do you think of that? Well, I think that the Bible really puts together the, the formula for the family and that the parents are to be the primary teachers of, in, the, in the home. They're to they're to be the keeper of the home and and make sure that the the kids are, are matriculating in the the upbringing of God. The Bible says that we are to raise our children in the Lord. And so you can't do that if if you don't have that kind of impact on them. So, uh a lady this this one gal they interviewed said that's one of the silver linings of the pandemic. I don't think we would have chosen to homeschool otherwise, said Danielle King of Randolph, Vermont. Hmm whose seven-year-old daughter, Zoe, has a curriculum that includes, listen to this, literature, anatomy, archaeology, and outdoor fossil searches. <laughs> wow. So I'm going to go find some yeah, fossils. Yeah, that's great. We, we used to do that as kids. Look for fossils. We didn't yeah. even know we were looking, we didn't even know we were, we were uh, looking at fossils. Uh, 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 Fragments from it, the, it's, the ju- that, uh, worldwide judgment of God. <laughs> it's it's bad when your kids come up to you and point at you and say, "Found the fossil, Dad." <laughs> <laughs> Did you? Were you around when this happened? No, I wasn't, kid. You know. Um, so anyway, there's there's home, the homeschooling thing. So uh, William Federer, who wrote uh, has written a number of books. Uh, one called "America's God and Country," which is just I need to get you a copy of this. It's just. Uh, it's sold, I don't know, probably maybe a million copies by now, but it's it's just a large volume of 
quotes of our founding fathers, Christian quotes of our founding fathers. And uh, you want some evidence that our founders were Christian? Uh, America's God and Country is the book to get, and it's, it's well laid out, very interesting. I've used it many, many times over the years. It's, it's been out for a number of years. So uh, Federer put out uh, this email uh, this week, and I saw it. Um, and it's, it's about McGuffey Readers, which you used in school. Because uh, I'm super old. I, I used the revised edition, so they were still in print. That's the oldest story in the book. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. you, McGuffey readers sold a million copies a year for 120 years, all the way up till 1960. Yeah. Uh, so the Ten Commandments were in it. Uh, let's see. This is Federer in his email. Before critical race theory, transgenderism, intersectionality, so on and so forth, students in public schools were taught to treat each other equal, equally with respect by learning the Ten Commandments and the Golden Rule. Yeah. You could fix, uh, I said this in a floor speech one time, you could fix, when I was pushing the Bible in school, Bill, you could fix 90% of the problems in public schools if you would teach every kid to love his neighbor as he loves himself. Mm-hmm. Teach every kid to love God first and to love his neighbor as himself, the two great commandments that Jesus yep. gave. Then you're going to solve a whole bunch of, the, of problems in the public schools. That's right. And, and the teaching of that consistently, I believe, ultimately ended up leading to, to where we're at in our country today with, with the, the you know, freeing of slaves, with the, the going after the wrongs that were taking place in the United States of America, because it's out of the Word of God that we had these great revivals that went through our land and spurred the whole process for— for the equality that we enjoy in our in our country today, yes, that comes from the Word of God. Absolutely, and uh, you know, Uncle Tom's Cabin, Harriet Beecher Stowe, was the daughter of uh, a famous preacher named uh, Henry Ward Beecher. She was a, a Christian, and uh, Lincoln. She went to visit Lincoln, and her book at the time was very famous, Uncle Tom's Cabin, and. Lincoln said to her, so you're the little gal that started this war. So um, Christianity, a yeah. Christian gal. Yeah. All right, so um, public education in America can be traced back to the Puritan founders of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. They considered it a priority that children know the Bible. So if you're going to teach the Bible, if you're going to, uh, you want your kids to read, uh, know the Bible, they have to learn to read it. Yeah. And, and that's what they set about doing. The founders set about teaching the kids and, uh, uh, and everybody how to read. Um, the oldest public school in America is the Boston Latin School, opened in 1635, through the inspiration of the Puritan Reverend John Cotton. Hmm. Everyone's heard of Reverend John Cotton. Um, he came over with the May, on the Mayflower, or his father did one of the two. Uh, so he previously taught a school at a school in England. So the Massachusetts Puritans then opened schools in Charlestown, Salem, Roxbury, and Dorchester, being primary, per, primarily intended to train young men for the ministry. Hmm. So these schools were opened up because they wanted the next generation of preachers to know how to read, to be educated. Yeah. That's why they opened these schools. Yeah, and it's amazing because we've talked about this before on the show that, you know, that was the the really the the structure of society. The the ministers were revered as as people who knew the word of God, knew the laws of God, and then impacted the laws of the land because of that. So they wanted you know, our, our population to be educated in where true moral law comes from. And we've so abandoned that, mm. that now you have no authority. You know, the, the authority that exists today is whoever wants to rise up and take your stuff and whatever means they want to do that in. And that's what you get without, you know, the teaching of the Word of God being prominent in the development of a society. Yeah, if you don't have absolute transcendent objective law, which is which only comes from God, that's right. then you will have... Uh, Law that's relative yep. to Everybody whatever situation. Does that which is right in their own eyes, yeah, that, and it, which is a great description 
obviously, of, uh, of relativism and all the other isms. Yeah. You know, we want to do, we want to think, we want to uh, behave and teach the philosophies that we like, yeah. that we think are right. Uh, so the general court voted in 1636 to begin the new college in Cambridge. That was the name of it, Massachusetts, le- later named after the Reverend John Harvard, mm-hmm. Harvard uh, College. He was a he was a preacher. He donated the land, and that was a, the first school. And it was a, a thoroughly Christian school, and so were so many others that uh, that popped up. But uh, so the Massachusetts Bay Colony passed the first law in the New World requiring children be taught to read so they could learn the Bible and the laws of the Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Children were homeschooled by parents, heads of the household, or tutors, usually ministers. For several reasons. One, the ministers all knew how to read, were educated, but they obviously wanted their kids to have a Christian foundation, a Christian uh, education. John Witherspoon, we've said many times, John Witherspoon, who signed the uh, the Declaration, uh, the Constitution, mm-hmm. uh, um, he he tutored a third of the signers of the deck in the Constitution. That's amazing, and he was a he was a, a Presbyterian yeah. Uh, theologian. Yeah. So, these, these were the teachers, the professors, the lawmakers. The, yes. Our, our whole country was founded by, you know, really a, a ministerial um, uh, class. I mean, it really was. And, the, and yes. this issue is today is that I know that <laughs> I know that church and uh, and <laughs> religious leaders have done enough to bring reproach on themselves. And that's that's a shame that that's happened. But right. but it wasn't the men that that made these things happen anyway it was the truth that they were sharing and yes. we've got to get back to that truth again we've got to we have to we will not survive if we don't yeah we have you know why do we have critical race theory because there's a vacuum yeah. left uh that is that is it is it is created because we took god out of the school prayer out of the school exactly and it's kind of like the old question you know if a if a tree falls in a forest and no one is around does it make a sound well the thing is is if there's truth and nobody's around to make a sound it's not going to prevail because you're not preaching it you're not teaching it you're not living it but i mean you can't ever do away with truth but it won't be able to prevail in our country in our lives in our churches in our homes if we're not speaking about it who was the king that found the word of god uh, somewhere in the rubble oh, or somewhere yeah, hidden in the temple. Ju- yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, all of a sudden, he, it was there. It was there. It was it was existed. Yeah. It was written yep. on parchment. But it wasn't helping him out. But nobody knew it was That's even right. there. And he found it. In, and they read it, and they weeped, and they repented. Yeah. And they, yep. Yeah. They said, uh-oh, <laughs> we didn't do that one or that one or that one. <laughs> all right, so here, the old deluder Satan laws. Listen, remember this one. I don't know if you ever heard of mm-hmm. these. The old deluder Satan laws are—this is a fascinating thing. It sounds like a goofy title that's antiquated, and those those uh, those prim and proper Puritans came up with it. In 1647, Massachusetts and Connecticut passed the old deluder Satan law, which stated—this is what it said. It being one chief project of that old deluder Satan— <clears throat> excuse me, to keep, to keep men from the knowledge of the Scriptures— as in former time, and that learning may not be buried in the grave of our forefathers and church and commonwealth. It is therefore ordered by this court that every township within this jurisdiction, after the Lord hath increased... Who increased them? The Lord. This is what they put Mm -hmm. in the law. After the Lord hath increased them to the total number of 50 householders. So once they got to 50 householders, they shall forthwith appoint one within their town to teach all such children as shall resort to him to write and read. Once they got to 100 families, they will uh, set up a grammar school for the, for the uh, university. So the old deluder Satan law is that we're going to teach kids to read Scripture because the old deluder Satan is going to be coming after them. We know that for sure. <laughs> What what a blessing it is to hear a law like that, you know, be passed. I mean, and 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 that is just pure truth right there. That is our founding. That's, That's our how founding. our country started. Why do pe- people think we just by accident, by chance, became the greatest country, the most powerful country, the most prosperous country in the world by chance? No, no. that does not happen. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, yep. and our God 
was the Lord for many years until Absolutely. until uh, the mid twentieth century. Well, I shared, and you know, I know we aired the sermon, uh, the, the one I preached on Fourth of July on this show, and uh, you know, I quoted Benjamin Rush, who was really um, at the at the head of of operating in the public school system for a while in uh, in the founding of our nation, and you know, he said, you know, the the best way the tactic the devil uses in in order to subvert a nation is to no longer speak about God or his word yes. in the public school setting. And he said, paraphrasing here, and this may be the quote you're referring to, but, but look, uh, uh, the worst thing that can happen is to take the Bible out of the yeah. public school. Yeah. Why are we doing that? Why are we doing yeah. that? Yeah. Well, there's a reason that we're doing it. It's because the secularists, uh, have, have, they've won, uh, there's, I mean, for now, but... Uh, uh, and and uh, John Dewey had a lot to do with it. John Dewey mm-hmm. was a, a secularist to the nth degree. All right, so then in 1687, the New England Primer, uh, Primer was published, and it taught it taught the Bible uh, in in everything like the alphabet. A it went through A through Z. In Adam's fall, we sinned all mm-hmm. with little poems. Well, that teaches one of the primary doctrines of Scripture. We're all sinners. Mm-hmm. If, if, if everyone in America understood that we have a sinful nature, a fallen nature, crit, uh, critical race theory would not work right. because it is a utopian philosophy. Yeah, yeah. It, and, it believes that you can instrumentally, through man's design, create people to be what you want them to be. And the Bible says yes. you can't. You need, this, you, need the, you need the truth of God in order to be able to see clearly uh, through the darkness and be able to live the way that you should live toward another person. And man's man's nature is not uh, malleable. No, it's not. It, it can't be. It's not like Play-Doh. Nope. It can't be fixed. God didn't say, I'm going I'm to change your, your nature. I'm going to fix your old nature. He said, I'm going to give you a new one. A new one. We're Forget new, the old one. We're a new creature. A new creature, man. right. Absolutely. Um, so, so that was the New England primer. And just going... Going through here, this is a this is a long email, but I want to. Uh, it's a great, great uh, lesson here in our Christian history. What was taught? How we taught in uh, in America? Um, uh, just just kind of going quickly. But the the Great Awakening of 1740 started around 1740. Went through, you know, the uh, the American Revolution. There would be no American Re- Revolution without the Great Awakening. Yeah. There's just uh, historians are are. Uh, uh, they are uh, Confederate in that. Um, there's, there's really no doubt. But then it talks about all the universities that came out of the Great Awakening: um, Princeton, Brown, Washington, and Lee, Columbia, and these were all started by preachers. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, Brown University, Rutgers, Dartmouth. Um, let's see what else here. Hampton, Hampton, Sydney. You ever heard of that one? I haven't. That's a little Southern college. Starting, hmm. I think it's the oldest one, 1775, maybe older. No, Harvard's obviously older, but, uh, um, so then, um, let's just skip, let's go, uh, we're on, running out of time here, but then we don't want to lose the audience. But, uh, uh, so uh, the McGuffey readers, there's, there was the New England Primer, the Blueback Speller, um, uh, several others, uh, the, um, uh, Webster's was the blueback speller, but these are all education devices that taught from a Christian worldview. And then mm-hmm. we have McGuffey readers that uh, were started by William McGuffey, who was a Presbyterian minister, and um, he uh, started these readers and, and just basically taught from a, a Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. And these sold for 120 years, a million copies a year. Yeah, amazing. And this, how amazing it is, is. Uh, we're sitting here talking, and you were influenced by the McGuffey readers. You, you <laughs> learned from the revised edition. I did, and I, I remember the the different poems and and excerpts from the Word of God, and and I remember, you know, a lot of them kind of read like little proverbs. You know, they were little sayings that helped you to remember uh, biblical truths and scriptural principles, and and really gave you a good understanding of how to have memory, how to have uh, sentence structure, how to formulate literary process, hmm. but it all came from a biblical viewpoint, wow. and, uh, you know, it's it was amazing. That is that is really incredible. Here it is. Uh, uh, Federer says, McGuffey readers were the mainstay of public education in America from 1836 to 1960. Hmm. Isn't that just amazing? Yeah. Well, what happened in 1960? Bible went out. 
1962 and 1963, two concurrent Supreme Court decisions that took Bible reading out in 62 and prayer out of public schools in 63. And by the way, I, I don't remember, we, we had uh, William Jaynes on uh, uh, from California, mm-hmm. the professor out there, and he made the point, those Supreme Court decisions didn't say you couldn't teach the Bible. They just said you couldn't teach it from a religious point of view. Yeah. So this is the thing, and I want to bring this up because I think it's very, very important. That shows, I think, the tendency of, of many times in, in Christians' hearts towards, towards cowardice. I know I need to stand for something. I know I need to, to hold firm to something. But now there's a law that's been passed, and if it's anywhere close to letting me out from this difficult situation I'm in every time where I'm giving the Word of God in a scenario or I'm praying in a scenario, now I have an out because yeah. there's a law against yeah, it. Yeah, and I can so, say, oh, the law says so, so, so while those laws maybe weren't very um, structured to the point where you, you absolutely can't do it, because you can still have Bible clubs on schools. You can still mm-hmm. go through processes to get things done. But I think a lot of Christians say, I'm not going to go to the trouble of doing that because there's all these laws that are passed against us even being able to do it now. So I'm just going to throw my hands up there. Christians, we can't quit. We can't just let one obscure law that, that uh, you know, is passed go ahead and totally define our approach to how we're going to stand for God in these days. I think that's a, uh, a prescient point uh, because there is that, that tendency. Hey, oh, it's against the law. So yeah. like that's an out. It's not an out. Um, yeah. You know, we're supposed to uh, we're supposed to proclaim the word no matter what. And uh, Daniel and uh, the Hebrew children did. Joseph did. McGuffey readers were the mainstay of public education in America from 1836 to 1960. So Lincoln referred to McGuffey as the schoolmaster of the nation. Hmm. That's really profound. That's how well his readers were known lincoln the president said look he he's the schoolmaster of the nation mm-hmm. that's a and that that's a great thing they, that must have given given these folks a lot of peace and yeah. confidence to know that that they, their, their kids were being taught from uh, a, a a biblical uh, biblically principled uh, book called mcguffey's readers and uh so anyway that's uh that is mcguffey and I'm just looking through here to see if there's any other nuggets that I wanted to get to. There's a, there's a, uh, uh, see these revised ones that you were talking about. Anyway, the McGuffey Reader, uh, the Blueback Speller, the New England Primer, these were all uh, tools that God used to teach early America. Uh, not just early America, all the, all the mm-hmm. way, oh, like we said, up to 1960. And that's what we got to get back to. Yeah. I, we, if you're curious about these books, some of them that you're mentioning, I've seen some of them. I've got a copy of the New England Primer. Do you? In my library. But I've seen them in some of the uh, antique bookshops and I've stores been, around town, too. Oh, yeah, I'd love you to go, get it. If you go into some reading. of those, I've seen uh, several of them since I've been here. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm going to go get me one. Yeah. We'll talk after yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so that's that, folks. We're going to talk some critical race theory in the next segment. Then we'll finish up with our uh, rules to teach your son. We're on, I don't even know what number we're on, uh, but we'll have five good ones from there. And we'll finish up. We're glad you tuned in today to the Voice of Truth radio show. We'll be back right after this. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth radio show. Your host, Mike Azinger, state senator, your co-host, Brian Leversey, pastor, the only show in America where you can experience the fusion of church and state. Thanks for tuning in today, folks. We got uh, a great little story here. This is always encouraging. About 15, 20 years ago, Pastor, I uh, ran into a book called uh, There Is a God. But it did say there is no God, but they cross in the book, they cross through no and put an A. Hmm. And a guy named Anthony Flew, F L E W, was a longtime atheist. Hmm. And uh, he became a theist. I, I, I don't think he ever became a Christian per se, but not that I know of. But he had this awakening, maybe that, oh, I'm at the 
end of my life, I better start thinking about what I've been saying my whole life. Right. And Anthony Flew um, said, hey, I'm not an atheist anymore. I'm a theist now. There's got to be a God. Yeah. Okay, we know that intuitively. Everybody knows that in their heart, don't they? I think so. And uh, But it's uh, kind of a, a, com- a convenient philosophy uh, to hide behind if you want to uh, sin uh, at random, right? Yep. You know, yeah, absolutely. Much, I like sinning. I, I'm an atheist. <laughs> yeah. right? Let's do it with all authority and nobody <laughs> I have to answer to. And that's what it's all about, I yeah. think, most of the time. So this uh, this gentleman, this is a, a, an article called, in a new book, Longtime Agnostic Dumps Darwin. Hmm. The world needs to dump Darwin. It, Darwin. It, Darwin. <laughs> it's a country music song. The world needs to dump Darwin because it's the biggest joke that ever was. If, if you just start with first cause, can you explain first cause Darwin is? How did we all get here? Something coming out of nothing. Absolutely. Yeah, have I you ever seen ludicrous. walk down the street and all of a sudden matter pops into existence yeah. right in front of you, trip over? No. Yeah. No one has ever, no. ever. No one's ever seen a uh, uh, evolution from kind to kind. Yeah. There's small micro evolution does happen. God put that in order. But there's never been a giraffe changed to a gorilla or a gorilla changed to a man. No one's ever seen that no. or even seen it in process. And, right? and, and all the, the things that they they brought up to say, oh, look what this shows. This shows that there's this transition taking place. Look at this fossil. All those have been debunked as, as yes. things that were not even real in the first place because they were so desperate to try to prove something because they've never been able to find anything <laughs> right. that they've had to lie about it. And that's what the great deceiver does. He lies and he lies and he lies and he lies and he lies. But far more ironic and far-reaching than just even this first cause issue, you have to look at the fruit that evolution has produced over time. Mm. And, and the biggest irony is here you have a bunch of secularists and even atheists who are promoting critical race theory when the biggest proponent of racism of all time is the theory of evolution and Darwinism. It sets races against each other. It sets nature against itself. Mm. It's the survival of the fittest. And Hitler expressly used the teachings of Darwin in order to propagate a philosophy of eradicating uh, races from the earth because of this survival of the fittest mentality. Yes, and all these dictators did, Lenin and Stalin, Mm -hmm. were Darwinists also. Uh, uh, It's... uh Amazing. So Neil Thomas, a steadfast Darwinist, he's a Brit, by the way. Uh, he was until an unexpected event. Neil Thomas said, I had something of an epiphany in a nightmare. Hmm. He had a nightmare uh, that Darwinism could not be true. This had to shake him to his core. Hmm. I believe this was of God. I believe God visits and dreams. Yeah, well, you said this is happening over in the Middle East with some of these Muslims that are having dreams about Christ. Jesus Christ, and they all see the same thing. Hmm. A a man robed in white. Hmm. Uh, So, anyway, he said, I decided to read around a bit to see if this subconscious flash, that's a Darwin term, he's he's (laughs) news, right, this uh, subconscious flash of insight could be true, and my research which was diligent, he said, confirmed the theory to be absurd. Hmm. We've been there a long time. Welcome to the club, but this is exciting. I'm glad. I realized I had been conned, he said. I felt there was something dishonest, yes, about the huge claims made by Darwinism, yes, Hmm. compared with the uh, negligible evidence to support the thesis. Not just negligible, there's none. There's none. There is no There is no. Uh, there is it's, no evidence for something that what, doesn't exist. What evolution is is a narrative that produces its own evidence instead of evidence that produces a narrative. That's all. Very well put. He was so alarmed by this conclusion that he felt impelled to write a book as a sort of warning call to humanity. Why does he want a war? There's something intuitive, right? There's something in how God makes us that we, when we find out a law, we lie. We want to tell other people that, he, hey, that's a lie. God's law is written in man's heart. Eternity is written in the heart of man is what yeah. the Bible says. Yeah. And we, we gravitate naturally toward our creator in our conscience. But the conscience can be seared, the Bible says, through sin. And that's what these teachings like Darwinism is. The Bible says that darkness blinds the minds of those so that they cannot believe. And that's the active force of evil in this world is to blind people, even from their own conscience, that God still has given each person 
to come to him. Absolutely true. That's right. Uh, He says in his warning, his warning is, beware, you have been fooled. Hmm. Uh, you know, the, the rich man in, in, uh, in hell wanted to say yeah. that. Hey, yeah. beware, you've been fooled. That is tell a, my brothers. Uh, Go tell my yes, brothers yeah. that, the, that they're, they're being fooled. Whatever God yeah. does, God does forever. And when he puts eternity in your heart, as yeah. uh, what Ecclesiastes, I yeah. think, is where it mm-hmm. says, that, that doesn't go away, no. ever. And so this man said he understands it's a lie, and he's, he's wanting to say, beware. Uh, the name of the book, Taking Leave of Darwin, a longtime agnostic discovers the case for design. Hmm. <laughs> Good. So I thought that would That's be interesting. Great. This man was uh, has been around. Jonathan uh, Witt is the story uh, writer. Neil Thomas is the, the Darwinist who had the epiphany. And we certainly pray he comes to Christ. Yes. He's a, a Brit. It's a very, uh, very evil land over there, like America is becoming. Mm-hmm more and more, and we want that man to know Jesus Christ uh, before he dies. Absolutely. Please, Lord. Senator Hawley introduces bill to ban critical race theory in public schools. This is a good one. Um, sensing an opening, Senator Hawley is of, of uh, presidential timber. Yeah. He is like DeSantis. He is Trumpian in a a lot of ways, or Trump-esque in a lot of ways. Sensing an opening in the Democrat left's increasingly obvious hatred for the United States and its prouder citizens, some Republicans are pressing hard on the critical race theory issue. Uh, This is a story from ChristianAction.org. CRT is a doctrine being taught in schools and in employer diversity training. Mm -hmm. That white Americans are guilty of racism based solely on the color of their skin and must be re-educated. Several states have recently passed legislation prohibiting the content in their public school systems and more will this next session. All right, so uh, Missouri Senator Josh Hawley has introduced legislation on July 27 that would require all schools and districts that receive federal funding to ensure students are able to read and recite America's founding documents hmm. and withhold well, withhold federal money from schools that uh, that teach those documents spring from white supremacy. So if you're a school, you're saying that uh, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, or whatever founding document comes from white racism, you will not get federal funds. Right. And, let's see, it goes on. This is a great bill he's introducing. This is very exciting. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, do this in West Virginia. According to Senator Hawley's news release, the purpose of the Love America Act, that's his bill, is to fight CRT in K-12 education, and that's according to Fox News in Kansas City. So, what's it going to do? Um, read the Declaration of Independence. Uh, so, what do you have to do? According to this bill, it will... It will mandate the reading of the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, Pledge of Allegiance, and recite portions of these foundational texts at certain grade levels. First grade, the Pledge. Fourth grade, Constitution, uh, the, the Preamble. Eighth grade, the Declaration Preamble. Tenth grade, students read and are able to identify the Bill of Rights. If our people knew the Bill of Rights, we would not be having the problems yeah, we have today. That's right. But... We have a lack of knowledge. We're destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Yeah. All right, so we're going to come back in a minute. We're going to finish up with our etiquette our etiquette uh, segment. I don't have a better name for it, so I'll I keep don't using either, that. But that works. So we'll use it. And I need it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> Rules to teach your son. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. Welcome back to the Voice of Truth Radio Show. Your host, State Senator Mike Azinger, right beside me, my co-host, Pastor Brian Leversey. You're experiencing the fusion of church and state right here on 103.9. We don't say that enough either. We don't, yeah. 103.9, that's the station you're listening to. (laughs) Uh, uh, By the way, this station's good all day long. Uh, uh, There's some... There's some great talk radio, mm-hmm. not as good as ours. Well, yeah, but 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 in the evening there is some. I was listening last night to Rick Green, uh, WallBuilders.com, yeah. yeah. 
and he had uh, uh, John Whitehead on, mm-hmm. who is a great warrior for God, and was giving he was giving advice, Pastor, on what to do when the government knocks on your door. Yep. Hello. Yep. This is America. Yep. He was giving advice on what to do if the government knocks on your door. Yeah. And it wasn't lay over and <laughs> beg. It was be polite, but it was to be firm. Yeah. And you have people need to know their constitutional rights. All right. So, um, we did a we did a rerun last week. So we will do. Uh, let me just review from the from the week before. <coughs> Um, we did. Don't let a wishbone grow where a backbone should be. <laughs> if you need music on the beach, you're missing the point. Carry two handkerchiefs. The one in your back pocket is for you. The one in your breast pocket is that for her. That one was her. controversial. <laughs> it was? <laughs> well, yeah. handkerchiefs. <laughs> right. Oh, God, I remember now. You you marry the girl, you marry her family. Be like a duck, remain calm on the surface, and paddle like, like crazy underneath. All right, so this week's uh, – so there's 32, and we're halfway, over halfway after this week. Number 16, experience the serenity of traveling alone. Huh. I, I guess I've traveled alone a couple of times. Yeah. So uh, serenity – I don't know if it was serene, though. I don't know if I'd describe it like that. Anytime you have to get on a plane or go through oh, I, security oh, I th- or – I'm thinking in a car. I was just going no out for a drive. Now, I, I like going on on walks on my own. Like yeah. I don't know if that counts as traveling, but I'll go in my neighborhood and walk on my own and think and process my, yeah. my day and there all that kind of stuff. Um, number 17, never be afraid to ask out the best-looking girl in the room. So hey. we've done that, right? And they That's said right. yes yeah, somehow. How did they? we get them to say yes? I don't know. Because we asked. Because we asked. <laughs> because we obeyed number 17. Never That's be right. afraid to ask out – well, I did. I didn't. I didn't go well when I. I remember my wife and I. We got to know each other in computer class, and then after one computer class, I got up enough nerve to tell her how I felt. And I it was. We were in high school. We're high school sweethearts. And I oh, walked up right? to her. I walked up to her and I said, "I really like you." And she turned to me and she said, "That's nice," and walked away. Ah, that's great. <laughs> I but love it. I didn't it. give up. I, I didn't it. give up. My, I met my wife. We were high school sweethearts too, along circuitous route, and. Uh, in terms of our getting married, but uh, I, we, this, this is a public school, so I, I met her at a dance. Okay. I thought, oh my goodness, she's cute. I've never seen her before, so I uh, I asked her to dance, and I don't think she said one word to me. <laughs> Not, I don't think she said one word. She said many words since then. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Number eighteen: Never turn down a breath mint. That is good advice. That's good advice. That is good advice. <laughs> Uh, Unless I don't like the person, then I'm like, yeah, yeah you're going right. to have to deal with it. Let him. Uh, <laughs> number 19, a sport coat is worth a thousand words. What does that mean? That means a sport coat, my term is a sport coat covers a multitude of sins. Ah, there you go. Like right I now, I'm about the to The coffee get, stain is gone. Well, plus, like uh, my, this is my, uh, I'm going to an event, a uh, local event where politicians are going to be. But I wear jeans because I'm in and out of storage units all day. So uh, this is my outfit. i got a pair of boots on, which I usually don't have on, but that's my going to a political event shoes. I wear jeans, a short sleeve polo shirt, but I put I have a sport coat in my, in my truck. That's what I – so that – That is, dresses everything up. Yes. It, yep. it transfers me into a little bit higher realm gotcha. than everybody else, a sport coat. That's I all you need. I hear you. Okay, number 20, and lastly for this week, try writing your own eulogy. Never stop revising. Mm. I got better things to do. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, not... <laughs> I'm dying here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're done for today. Thanks for tuning in, folks. God bless you. And uh, you're listening to the Voice of Truth radio show. At Lord willing, we'll be here next week. That's the plan. Tune in for sure. Thursdays at 5, Saturdays at 3. God bless you. Have a great day. Choose to